I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was a new car that was vastly expensive. I knew that it was twice the money of a, an Audi or whatever it was. And there were these complete range of BMWs all in sort of Schwartz grey or black. But if you want if you want real value, the kind of value that you boast about to your mate down the pub, it's electric cars. They just they just seem so cheap. Okay. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Collecting Addicts podcast. We're going to get straight into this, an important issue, headrests. They used to matter so much. I'm not sure they matter so much now. But everyone that listens to this wanted their dad to have the car with rear headrests. Let's face it, it made all the difference. Chris Cooper, tell me why. Well, not just rear headrests. Um, I couldn't remember. And we, who remembers watching the Sweeney? Oh, yes. Thinking... Last week. Well, d- Dad's all right, because the Sweeney don't have headrests in their cars either. <laughs> and do they, Chris? Do they not? I, I noticed Sweeney. that. I think they probably part of it was probably they removed the front headrests for cinematic purposes. <laughs> um, but they had those Granadas, the Mark One Granada GXL. Even the GXL didn't have front headrests, and I remember with that sort of very small boy. Why did my I have a slightly tingly sensation in my trousers today. I've never held that sensation before. When Dad brought home his first car with front head restraints. And they were restraints, not headrests. They were a safety device. In the days when people on the television spoke in that Chumley Warner accent from the Fast Show and generally had the wit and intelligence of George from Blackadder, Um, We had to explain to people that cars were actually quite dangerous. And when they stopped suddenly and you went woof or were hit up the chuff and your head went woof, then head restraint was very... So the first one I ever used, I say used, experience, was in a Volvo 144 estate. The sort of slightly triangular tombstone-y one with the big two bars through it, thinking, 
that'll be nice and comfy. And I sort of threw my head back in my uncle's car thinking, Jesus Christ, that's painful. Because they weren't meant to be comfortable. They were meant to be a restraint. Mm. Um, but then they became comfortable. And sort of, you see, the modern interpretation, those in a in a Range Rover, the ones with the little sort of very, very soft extra bit. Range Rovers, in fact, Rover did it on the SD1 3500, as it might have described. Had that little extra teddy bear trimmed little pad. Oh, it was lovely. With yeah. two little <laughs> button studs either side. And you could stud it on, so it would just push the headrest out. It was all nice and squidgy and comfy and lovely and everything. That's when they became headrest. And the Range Rover one of that was that, the one with the sort of like an airline seat, the sort of the padded seats. The most saddo story I have on headrest, though, is the first BMW I ever had as a company car when I was at EY, Ernst & Young. Uh, it's the only nice thing I can say about my time at EY. It's really boring. I hated it. But I had an E36 325 Coupe. Oh, lovely. More exciting, more exciting even than the fact that I'd specified those 16-inch wheels when everybody else in the office had 15-inch wheels. Uh, what did they know? I thought, and more <laughs> exciting than specifying leather trim, which I didn't do, and I specified a sunroof rather than air conditioning, because air conditioning was horrendously expensive. I specified rear headrest. How cool did my 325 look? How much did it compromise <laughs> your rear vision? Quite a bit, but that didn't matter. It was just, I felt so, I would often park it. If I was at a work, I park it back in. So the first thing people saw through the rear was, he's got rear headrests. I didn't know he had rear headrests in three two five. I've never been happier. Management material. <laughs> you you need to explain to me this uh, this rear headrest. My dad's got rear headrests thing because uh, I'm obviously too young for that. I think you are. You might have also been exposed yeah. to really nice motor cars from the start without, without wanting to yeah. say anything. But I've always game. had rear headrests. I know. But yeah. I can remember, this is shameful, as a young boy, already knowing a lot about cars, my father, who had been an, an absolutely devout BMW owner uh, from a garage in Bristol that might have had the surname Love It. Actually, no, it was Western Counties then, so this is going back a long was, time. was, yeah. And uh, Upper West Brion Prom Trim. Yeah, yeah, and no, this is this is down on Zetland Road, mate. This is right down in the old days. And uh, oh, sorry, that was the yeah. yeah. And I remember <laughs> my father chopping in a, a superior BMW to buy his first Audi. I think he went in there and didn't like the dealers offered. So this is this is catastrophic. So he's gone from wow. the Boyan driver's machine, the three two three I, and he bought a three twenty I E thirty. Didn't mm-hmm. like it, and he went to White Tree Garage in Bristol and he bought an Audi ninety which, you know, is a glorified VW. It's got a longitudinal five-cylinder engine that's about yeah. three feet in front of the front axle line, but it had rear headrests. Yeah. 90 he, came home, was cool. he came home and his old BMW didn't have them, and this had them. It had a central armrest and rear headrests. And frankly, the world could just go shit itself. It could. I thought, I thought we were the coolest family ever. We'd arrived. We had a central yep. armrest and rear headrests, and the world had changed. I forgot why, the central why did I feel that way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're nodding. I mean, Neil is just about nodding. Manish looks utterly perplexed. And Edward's looking at me like I'm speaking a different language. Yeah, this game isn't for Edward. It doesn't apply to him. No, but no, it should apply to everyone. Because Edward, Edward loves a rear cabin. Edward loves sitting in the back of a 911. So surely 
he can understand the opinion. Neil Clifford, please help me here with rear headrests. Well, I think it's maybe an age thing. If you if you're knocking on fifty, then the most sophisticated thing in your teenage years was the rear head restraint. That, that's yeah, totally. Basically, <laughs> really? it is, and 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 maybe I think I think Chris, you touched on it. Even slightly more niche and sophisticated was the air conditioning button because it was so expensive. It was like two grand on yeah, an e, on yeah. an E thirty, yeah. and I remember. I was lucky enough. I'd, I'd, I'd wangled a really good job by the time I was 24 and had a company car, the Renault 5 Raider that I, I talked about. And me and my mate Paul used to commute. I was in Portsmouth. He was in Winchester. And we'd take turns to drive into Oxford Street um, and park under our head office. I'd leave Portsmouth at 5 a.m., picking up a Winchester at half past five. We'd be up the M3. There was no traffic in those days at six, six o'clock in the M3. And we were right over the Hammersmith flyover at 6.30, bang into the little secret underground car park. We'd wangled away because we didn't have a parking space. We were grade five. Only grade three and above had a parking space. Yeah. But every single Shame morning, of it. we took a risk that one of the directors was on holiday or off sick or visiting shops and we'd nick someone else's parking space every single day and we'd bung a tenor to the, you know, the security guard to let us go down in the lift. And the most sophisticated thing, when you'd go down in that lift and it was all dark and then the lights, you know, the movement sense would come on and there were these complete range of BMWs, all in sort of Schwartz, grey or black, whatever it is, 535s, 530s, all E34. Zinnabar. Zinnabar. Yeah, there's a bit of red. Zinnabar's red, wasn't it? Oh, no, that's... Yeah, yeah red. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, Paul was in his 205, or I was in my Renault 5 Raider. It's a few E30s, 325s, all of them with rear head restraints. And in 1987, 1986, that was the most sophisticated thing I'd ever seen. I'm like, I just want to be that fucking guy with those rear head yep. restraints. Yep. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to stay in the office till eight o'clock in the eight o'clock at night, even though two hours of it was spent throwing tipex around or doing stupid things or whatever. Smoking in the office, I didn't smoke, but everyone smoked in the office. No emails, so you could fill in your little form to ask someone something, put it in the internal mail. It'd take two weeks to get back. It was brilliant. <laughs> but Neil, Neil, can I ask you a question? Can, can I ask you one question? Can I ask yes. you one question? So, at that point in your life. If you graduated to grade four or three, yeah, would you have taken a three one eight i with rear headrests, sports front seats, and alloy wheels, or a three twenty i on steelies with no rear headrests and nothing inside? Well, it? I, I'll tell you exactly the decision because I did get promoted to grade four, and my mate Paul, who was a grade four actually, so he went three one eight is, yeah in Arctic white with rear head restraints, cloth, oh, no, no AC, uh, which got nicked, actually, with 1,000 miles at that BP services at the Hammersmith flyover. I think I know the one. That before. Yeah. We left the keys in there. We used to go in and nick donuts. and Because uh, <laughs> that was the beginning of the Dunkin' Donut thing, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was suddenly you could buy these American donuts. So we'd eat a couple whilst we were queuing up to pay for the petrol, and then someone nicked the car because the keys were in it. And but I decided captain of industry. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I decided 
to go Corrado G60. Oh. Because I, I wanted, for me, the fact that this car had a supercharger. Yeah. I went off piste from BMW. And I don't, a I lovely didn't, shape. I, I, I didn't regret it. I sort of, I, you know, it was a big decision that, and you could pay extra. I could have even gone to grade three and you could have got a 325. You know, those wonderful, we should talk about car company car schemes. Oh, Maybe we've yeah. done it, I don't know, yeah. where you can pay more. But I was, yeah, so- I did that for my head restraints. They were 18 pounds a month or something ridiculous or I was so I was, <laughs> I was so skin I couldn't afford the extra 200 quid to go to 325 so grade 4 gave me G60 cloth I could have gone 16 valve AC leather but I went no, 16 no, wrong off, choice sunroof no AC um, and actually, I think the G60 almost had tiny little rear head restraints. You're right. Little... It's a very good example of a car that's slightly cheated because it had an yeah. integral extra bolster at the top. Exactly. It had that tombstone sort of slightly sort a of... suggestion of a headrest. Yeah. yeah. But it so looked... I think I, I, yeah. in my head, I'd con- con- convince myself that I did have rear head restraints, even though I... Yeah. No, that passed that... You're right. That passed the test. That that really. I need to, I need to very quickly pass this over to Edward Lovett, who has never <laughs> looked more perplexed than he does now. <laughs> well, uh, well I, funny enough, so I, I started at, um, working at BMW Bristol as my first job. So I, I and I started off by washing all of these cars with rear headrests. Although at the time I was not fascinated by the rear headrests. Um, but when when I eventually got into the sales department about a year later, I I clearly was at the tail end of this. And Neil talking then about a three one eight IS, that was that was a cool car. You know, oh, would, would, would you would you take the six cylinder or would you take the four cylinder IS with an M Sport body kit in Avis blue? Um, they, that was a brilliant car. Yeah, you could convince yourself it was an M three. Let yeah, me throw yeah. another curveball at you. How about this? This totally confused me as a kid. So I got a lift, I think, into school once in a uh, parents who had a new Mercedes E Class, the W124. Yeah. Which would have been 88 or something. It was, it, was a, it was a new car that was vastly expensive. I knew that it was twice the money of a, an Audi or whatever it was. Anyhow, it had rear headrests, not much else. I don't think you had any floor mats or radio, yeah. but it had rear headrests, status symbol. But it had a button. Yes. Put them down. Yeah. yeah. If you've you've got them, they need to be on display. Why would you want to get rid of them? For reversing. For reversing. But but then you couldn't put, you had to put them back up manually. Manually, That was the flaw. That was the flaw. I always wondered because you think, I'm not going to put them down for reversing because when you drive off again, they're not on show. They don't pop back up. I'd have to stop and get out. I'm just going to learn, learn to reverse better. Mercedes, you've dropped one there. No, totally. Right. I've never got that. Manish, your thoughts on headrest? Because you look slightly less perplexed than ever, but you still look like you're dealing with a room full of absolute idiots. <laughs> no, I mean, not, not at all. What I remembered was, um, we talked about it before, um, my friend Max's father was, a, he was an architect and really into his Citroëns in the 70s and 80s. And I remember the front headrests in his Citroën CX and, and if you remember sort of the, the late 70s, early 80s CXs, they had that kind of almost galaxy bar center yep. to, the, yes. to the seat, sort of almost chocolate blocks. And um, the headrests came with three poppers. Yes. There were three like poppers. The you yeah. basically, exactly, you had, one, you had one inch of adjustment. 
basically because two of the poppers had to be in. You couldn't you couldn't adjust it to the very top setting with just one popper because it would fall off. You couldn't do it at the bottom, but basically you had about an inch of give, and they were just so sexy. And I it just got me trawling a little bit. And I I didn't know. I, I'll send these to Rowan. Um, but there's a CX GTI. It says avec siège cuir en option, so with leather options. But look at this. I mean, these are these headrests. Wow. Oh, they're Rouge 2, Rodney. Rouge 2. They doors. What car's that? Citroen CX. It's a cutaway. That's yeah. a cutaway, is it? Yeah. Yeah, the cutaway. You can have a little look at the leather option. Yeah. And, and then the final, look at the SM. I mean, look at this. This is this is sort of, I think this is sort of almost Maserati Bora-esque. Oh yeah, yeah, that is quite nice. Yeah, uh, you, were very cool. you were very cool ordering a Citroen in the seventies. I, I didn't know anyone cool enough to order a Citroen. In the oh 70s. god, they were they were obsessed with Citroens. They only had to, they had Citroens and they had a Rolls Royce um, Silver Shadow too. That it, it was you know where he, he I I think he paid a very good amount of money for it, wasn't he? But it was I, I think I mentioned it. it was fantastic. We'd go out to nightclubs and occasionally Uncle Francis would pick us up in this car. And you'd be a bit drunk and very sweaty sitting in the back of a... Uh, to, do you know what that is? Can you guys remember what that is? It's well, it like a Ford Alpha. of some sort. Or RS2000. It is. It's the, it's, it's the Escort Mark II from 1976, the RS2000. Yeah. And look at the headrest. It's got, it's got sort of... The tennis racket. Netting yeah. in it. Tennis yeah. racket ones, yeah. Well, they are, they are. They were for a long time netted headrests on a Recaro. Yeah. Professionals. Box. Yeah. Professionals professionalized those headrests. Yeah. Which car? Which car rebooted that? Fifteen years later. Ooh. Oh, you have to tell us, Christopher. The Colin McRae edition Impreza by ProDrive. No, oh, yes. They inserted a different Recaro seat that had a had the mesh headrest in it. Yeah. Like, I, I, when we saw them, we were like, "We got to have those." They were stunning. I think, I think the Strada 130 twin cam had them. Did it? Yeah. On there a, a seat. On a they seat call it 10 80, years then, Neil. 85. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I think I think it, the headrest was all was the 80s. It was peak 80s rear head restraint. Yeah. Well, yeah. Into, I mean, my, my 36 was mid-90s, and I felt, I felt cool as frog fur. As our American cousins were so let me let me not, pose not, another... that, not, not that cool though because you didn't have aircon so you're a bit yeah. hot yeah but, but you know I didn't grow up you know my my childhood and growing up was had Fords and just knackered cars in it sunroof yeah, I came let out me the pose room. let me pose another question I think that something sinister happened in the early nineties because I think the introduction of the integral headrested seat slightly ruined the shape of seats and I'll give you a car yes. an example, a car that myself and Neil are particularly climbed into over the years maybe unfairly when the Sport Evolution M3 came out it had this winged seat with an integrated headrest with two holes for a harness yeah. at the time I thought it was the coolest thing ever I yeah. did. but in hindsight the Evo that had the classic BMW bolstered seat with a normal headrest it's so much cooler, and it yeah. also wore properly. All those Sport Evo seats just fell apart. Yeah, and they were they were quite good looking seats, and they had the they were. Three M stripes. Yeah, but seats like that. I mean, we were our little little jaunt at Castle Coombe recently, when when some of us had I'm very lucky to be driving Porsche GT cars. Um, put a lid on, and the thing is so upright, and that sort of tombstone thing is that you sort of yeah. you pushed 
bullshit. Come on. <laughs> These are first world problems. <laughs> they are first world problems. Well, I, I, I think we're slightly split there. I just think headrests are incredibly important. I think yeah, so do I. Chris they define Manish yeah. can understand the aesthetic, and Edward quite clearly thinks we're all mad, which is no. Well, I, I, the thing is, I, obviously, you, you, you've gone because of an era to the rear headrests, and when I was doing my little bit of research and started hunting for headrests, I, I was finding things like air scarfs in Mercedes oh, SLs oh. and things. That's life-changing. Yeah. 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 Edward, I've, sorry, I've, I've never had a car. Sometimes they do set Edward up as, um, I don't know if you've seen this fantastic uh, film from the, the, the late 60s, early 70s, um, The Go-Between, about um, yes. little boy goes to Norfolk with his... And yes. he stays with his aristocratic friend and um, he, his shirt drops on the floor and he goes and picks up his shirt in the bedroom, his aristocratic friend, which could be Edward. And I said, what are you doing? That's for the servants. Yeah. <laughs> Just such a great... Well, <laughs> I, I, but I'm not... I, I'm certainly not saying that you said that, but I... So I don't <laughs> when I he, but I, I've also said, like, when I was... I, I remember as a car salesman, uh, have, uh, dealing with some of the corporate buyers. And, and they were saying to me, right, I've got my list and 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 I'm just going to decide what I want. And, you know, I was working at a BMW dealership. At the end of the day, you used to fight with the car salesman. It was, you know, the, it, people used to go and start putting the car keys in their pocket at about 4 57 uh, in the evening to make sure Four they show. got the 318 IS or the M3 that oh, night. And you know, <laughs> we, we ultimately we had a lineup of, of all the cars that anyone would ever want. And you know, it's the perk of the job at the end of the day. And uh, it, it changed a bit. And you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I've said this, but I crashed a couple of cars. So, uh, no. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I lost that perk. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me pose one thing for you now. This this is a TV show that I really enjoyed. It was on Apple TV called Bad Sisters. Who's watched that? Mm. Uh, is that a, a movie? Female or... Irish comedian, and it's okay. about three sisters that uh, decide that they're one of them is married to an abusive man, and they decide to take him out. And it's a really really good show. I forgot the name of the of the actress who's very famous in it, but it's 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 clever and it's funny. But it contains within it the worst piece of headrest continuity I've ever seen on film. It's worth watching for this. So I hate that. The, the lead, the lead drives an Audi uh, convertible, but to make sure that they could get the right shots and access to the cabin, much like the Sweeney, sometimes they would remove the front headrest to get the shot. Mm. And sometimes they'd be back in. They also did a massive tracking shot where it was clearly on a trailer where the steering wheel was not straight. So the driver did, I reckon a three-mile corner, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think one exists in Ireland. It, Bad Sisters is a great show, but if you're like me, a total nerd, it's worth getting into the Audi convertible and trying to understand what I was like going that. on with the yeah. headrest game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, we'll end that there before you all think I'm completely weird. No, it's good. Good chat. Next thorny issue: if you uh, if you live in Germany, around about now, you have to, by law, change your vehicle's summer tires onto winter tires. Uh, in many ways, this is both safe, uh, clever, and the right thing to do. However, it's a right pain in the arse. And I wonder whether a country as ill-disciplined as ours can actually do that without causing major issues. But winter tyres have been around for a long time. Some people use them all year round. What do we think about winter tyres? No Clifford. Well, I'd like to talk 
about tires <laughs> because it's clearly one of my immense frustrations and my inability to have any sort of understanding or connection really to how a car drives i can never tell the difference between a shit tire and a new tire a winter tire and a summer tire you know when everyone's raving about oh you've got to get the new 4S sports specials yeah. for your career at GT because otherwise you're going to die if you don't if you've got the old tires or oh my god get your winter tires because once it goes down 2 degrees the handling is so much but I cannot tell the fucking difference ever with any tire no matter winter summer shit good chinese pirelli i can't tell the difference now well, I'm- if you go and get in, go and get into a carrera gt on its original tires on a cold day mm. uh, you, you, you'll you'll notice the difference i've done yeah. that yeah i've owned one I hate it. No, no, but no, but no, but I'm talking. Why like, did you hate it? Some, someone that's never changed the tires. So some tires. No, I did that change almost... Of course, all my all yeah. my very clever car friends were like, "Oh, the first thing you need to do is change the new tires because otherwise you're going to die within five minutes of going around the first roundabout." So of course, that's what I did, and I had n- no understanding of what the difference was at all. There uh, might do you be. Think, do you think it's all bobbins? I think it's all bollocks. There's a lot of bobbins in it. I I think that that sort of bobbins bit is also... used to see it on Piston Heads a few years ago with people talking about, oh, have you taken your Porsche to centre of gravity or centre of the universe or Geoman Mach 3 or whatever it was? And you said, no, I'm sure I should care about this a bit more than I do, but I'm struggling. You know, I read read those auto car, or was it Evo? Tire of the year. Tire of the year. That's you know yeah. the nineteen pages of that's a hard you know, read. Special beardy men writing about <laughs> oh, wow, you know the understeer on the four S is so much better than the three S. Maybe it's my shit ability to have any connection with a car. Really, I just get excited about head restraints. I don't really care about how they drive. Maybe I can't. <laughs> they are. They they do. I mean the winter tire thing. I mean technically speaking, they're cold weather tires. Because winter isn't really an engineering term. And Neil, you and I are old enough to remember when the t- cars that our fathers drove and we drove when we were younger. The tires would last about 10,000 miles a year, 10,000 miles, and they'd be, they don't last, tires last 20, 30,000 miles now. Because they haven't really, they're not really rubber anymore. So when cold weather tires have got more rubber in, they're squidgier and they don't get hard below seven, eight degrees centigrade. So there is, and the, the thing about them, and we live on a monkey, you know where we are. Neil, you know where we are. There's a mm. long hill up to our house where the farm mm. is. If it's frosty or snowy, you can't really get up it in a two-wheel drive vehicle. With cold weather tyres, with crucially these sipes, these little slits, if you look at the surface of them, people will know this, see lots of little extra sort of slices. They don't look knobbly. They <clears throat> haven't got studs in them. But as the tyre rolls and the rubber squidges, which is warmer, and therefore it grips onto things more, a little bit of gritty stuff in the road surface. Those sites make little edges, and those edges, because there's multiple numbers of them, grip the road surface a bit more. Stop me if I'm getting boring. And that's what gives you traction oh. or braking. The problem is, the problem is, you can get, like me, carried away, because you think, hey, brilliant, like the enthusiastic 
Yorkshireman on the fast show. Yeah, it's tires. They're brilliant. And you career down this hill, and normal Rose would be saying probably words like, watch this. And you career down the hill thinking, these cold weather tires will get me out of anything. And unfortunately, they don't. It's also another reason to get frustrated with Audi. I'm glad I've had this opportunity because about 10 years or so ago, when the Q7 became omnipresent in fashionable and less fashionable ski resorts in Europe, you could tell certain kinds of families and customers had all piled into these Q7s because the salesman said to them, oh, if you're going skiing, Audi is the target car for skiists. You show one of the Q7 and you find them all collected in an untidy pile at the bottom edge of the car park. Because all sit down there because their P0 Fandango summer tyres had absolutely stuff all grip. Whereas we all cruised along with our winter tyres, which we had at the time, and sort of crawled up and crawled down. And said, and you say, but the salesman said it was four-wheel drive. And you thought, that's the problem with Audi. So I know I think so. Your question was, are they good? I think they are good. The problem is for the UK, I mean, we we've always had them, apart from the last few years, because the days when you really, really need them are fewer and far between. Yeah, they, they, they are, are. They are in, in the south of England. They certainly are. Yeah. yeah, where they are amazingly good because because they're they got more things than them. On wet days on the motorway, bloody hell, they make a difference. They do. They I, I, I really can't tell. Can yeah. I just chime in on that exact last note? So I have zero experience of this. Okay, I've never changed. The tires on my Audi A4 Avant from summer. Do you know the brand of tires on your Audi? Manage? I do. I've got Michelin's on them. I, I do. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Little guy. Anyway, so the the what I did was I decided to see how cold <coughs> it was, but not in London. And um, I found all the Sheffield weather from 1955 onwards. Okay. <laughs> Every month in Sheffield from 1955 onwards, and then oh. it's broken into sort of spring, summer, and winter. And here, here are my points. Um, from 1955, basically the winter temperature up in Sheffield was mostly between two and three degrees centigrade. In 1963, you know, that awful winter, it was zero. 1975, Sheffield had an average winter temperature of 5.7 degrees. In 1998, they had a new high in the winter of 6.5 degrees, and the average high is between three and five. So in other words, I think global warming probably is a phenomenon. And just look, if you just look at um, Sheffield's temperatures, if you've got average temperatures in the winter of six, seven degrees centigrade, why do you need cold weather tires? The thing is, they're all sold out. If you go, I'm very, I'm very obedient. I'm very compliant. I try to do the right thing. I try to get my wife's golf onto winter tires and my daughter's beetle. I live in the countryside too, up in the Chilterns. I try to. You can't buy them. Yeah, last few years have been harder. Yeah. It's been, it's been, yeah, they don't have enough supply. In in Europe, what mainly happens, I was certainly, I know the Porsche dealers have to do this, but they, you drop, you bring your 911 in or your KN or your McCann and they take your wheels off, swap them up and they store, Tire store hotel. your summers or the winters on the roof. Tire um, hotel. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it's, it, it, it's, it's part of life. I, I think, Neil, when you're talking about the motorway, you know, if you're driving in the winter out towards the Alps, 
and you're on summer tires and it's either pissing down with rain or there's a bit of sleet or that the, your um, th- thermometer in the car beeps at you because it just drops below three degrees. And then you, so you start driving about 60 miles an hour or a bit less because you're feeling a little, little nervous with kids in the car. And then someone comes past you and RS6 Avant at about 250 kilometers an hour. You know he's on winter tires. Yeah, uh, and, they're, they're, and it's, it's the same. I appreciate what you're saying, Neil, but it, it's like being in a racing car, but on the wrong tires. And the confidence yeah. you yeah. feel when yeah, you're good... on the right tires is something you can't describe until you feel it yourself. And only, uh, I don't have you really see a, a European driving on winter tires. And versus it versus a Brit in Europe yeah. on summer tires. That that's where you see the massive difference in the confidence in the car underneath you. I'm sure. There's, yeah. a, there's a weird cutoff as well, I've found. So a lot of the faster car makers over the last 10 years, their press fleets, they won't lend them out after about November the first unless you've got winter tires on them. So a Ferrari or a Porsche <laughs> or a or a Lamborghini or something. And, and sadly, a fast car just doesn't work on them at all. No. They, they really, the, 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 that squishy, tread blocky thing becomes a massive pain. It almost feels like the car's on jelly. You can't get any yeah. connection with it at all. If you drive them quick, they're all over the place. And actually, it makes you realize that you'd rather just park it up if the weather's that bad. But there's b- below that, I think they're quite special things actually in the winter. You know, the idea of having a, a sort of a two liter TDI goal for state on on winters that's a bit of a weapon in the right weather you you take care of anything a sports car on a on a windy road if you had the right tires and mm. i get neil's point that the tires is all bollocks but I, I i do but i do believe that they're they're quite important they're the only contact you have between your vehicle and the road and i and i have to say that some, some of my cars are incredibly tire sensitive i i like to keep things long enough that i try every sort of different brand of tire and they massively alter how I interact with the car. It sounds so nerdy, but a good set of tyres completes a car. The wrong tyre wrecks it for me. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I just wish I wish I had that subtlety of feeling for a car. I don't really. I can't well, tell the difference. Well, we're going to work on that. We're we gonna, are we're definitely going to work on that. Well, yeah. Chris, what, just remind me, and, and to be honest with you, I didn't even look at the car before I sold it, but we... The 992 GT3 Touring is a car that's um, good or bad based on the tires because whatever I had on mine, yeah. I had the same as you. I yeah. had the good. I had the good years. The good year F1s. And I, and I, you know, I was pretty much going backwards down the M5 once in, in heavy rain. I couldn't yeah. believe how poor they were. Yeah. That was not for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah so... we 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 uh, we've got a family um, ho- home in in France, and it's at the top of a hill, but in in town, and uh, obviously in the up in the mountains, they're very good about clearing the road. But when the snow starts falling heavily in the evening, and you see how different people try and tackle this hill, it's so funny. And the the, the best cars, clearly, the original um, Fiat four by four Panda. Yeah, that yeah. that that's the best car up there. But but also seeing seeing someone who knows how to handle a front wheel car, a front wheel drive car in the snow is quite impressive. You know, they 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 on summer tires they we, they weave them up the road. Yeah, uh, it's quite cool to see. Technique. You can see big Range Rover sports on summer tires that can't can't get up the road. Can I ask a question about 
cold weather tires in in Europe. If people you you, you had the example of Germany, that in Germany you know it's a clock. They they tell them when to change and they change it by law. Do they change the tires on your on your car or do they change the wheels? And the if whole they change combo. It, they have tire hotels. So you have two sets of wheels, oh, two okay. sets of tires, and garages or dealers will run what they call tire hotels. Um, so do so, we have the equivalent in England? No, no. Um, people have tried it, but it's just the demand is just. Not, I mean, no, it's not yeah. a bit. And, and we don't really have the space. So if you, you know, if everyone, because yeah. Ferrari did something a few years ago, Neil, didn't they? Where they were encouraging, they were offering deals to all their customers to swap onto to winter tires. Yeah. Um, but but they needed you to take the wheels and tires home. Uh, oh. So you went, it, it, it was just a total yeah. faff. Well, that's what I was going to say. In London, you know, it's the um, home of um, on-street parking. Yeah. You know, we can't charge our cars in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So forget about, you know, switch your tyres to, to something, I don't know, where we'd store them. Put think, it, put uh, on Matthew, Matthew looked after me. We put my, put the FF on to Winters. Yeah. Uh, and because I couldn't tell the difference, I just left them on. So <laughs> He still got my summers from about three years ago. <laughs> That's quite a common outcome, actually. A lot of people I know put winters on yeah. a car and say, stuff it, it's the family car, we'll leave yeah. them on all year round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a bad thing to do. No, but does, the, does that does that reduce your fuel consumption or something in the no, summer? No, it, it it's probably increases it. Tires. Yeah. Sorry? It, it, probably, it might have an effect, but I think they used to be a bit noisier, but they're not now. Yeah, do they wear faster? Reason. I mean, there must be no. some you pay for that, no? Uh, be slightly noisier. They're they noisier and squidgier. And yeah. I remember that E63 wagon I had about 10 years ago? I put winters yeah. on that. And on an occasional, slightly warmer winter day, just squirting it onto a motorway around a sort of a long... You think, oh, my goodness. I've yeah. got jelly, not yeah. tyres. Yeah, they move around, don't they? Yeah, they do. A lot, big time. Yeah. Winter tyres. Go and, go and investigate them for yourselves. They can be really good. Yeah. Or you can be like Neil and say they're a load of shite. <laughs> uh, here we go uh, our car week what have you done in cars this week Edward Lovett well I've been in a half term in New York so I have returned back and made sure I've uh, started up all my cars and driven them uh, three minutes to work so so I, I've used those but what what um, New York's great. The weather was amazing. Um, so we did an awful lot of walking, about 20,000 steps a day. But if you want to go from uptown to downtown or midtown to downtown, you, you, you really need to hop in an Uber or a taxi. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Uber is a very, very expensive method of transport nowadays, isn't That's it? True. Fifty dollars New York. Yeah. Uptown yeah. to downtown. Yeah. Like and and fifty dollars. Yeah. It is honestly, you can't it's it's hard to go anywhere for less than thirty dollars uh in an Uber. But you know, I you just gotta jump in a yellow cab. It, it's half the price. I, and I, to be honest with you, I'm going to start using black cabs uh, in in London uh, just to compare to, to Uber because it's extortionately expensive. You know, Uber have gone from cash burn, cash burn, cash burn to this is the real cost of how much a taxi is, you know, yeah. 150 quid to get to Heathrow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bore you with that's my, my that's my week. So I... I uh... We came out from Hong Kong and I struggled for a couple of days with jet lag and feeling like, you know what? And then I went to collect uh, a member of my family's Golf GTI. It's a Mark 7. I put a photo of it on Instagram, actually. And it's uh, it's done 106,000 miles. And I I can't stop driving it. I shouldn't be in it, really. But it's one of those cars that I just, yeah. just can't believe how brilliant it is. I just love it. It's dark blue. No one really looks at it. You park it on the street. It's just innocuous but you can park it anywhere it is the classless car it's fast it's competent everything works i just can't believe how brilliant a car the mark 7 yep. Golf gti is i yeah you know, to the point where i was you know i'm trying to find another car who's going to buy an alpha julia or something i can't justify buying one of those if i've got a go- if i could buy a golf like that i cannot justify buying anything unless it's a, like an m5 or a really special car the golf has all bases covered yeah and, and furthermore I'm not lying. It's really good fun to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I just sound like a scratch record, but what a car. Is is it tartan seats? Yeah, tartan seats, manual gearbox. Manual gearbox. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, perfect. It's the it's iPhone, fun. the original iPhone. Yeah. It's just brilliant car. Yeah. Uh, Manage, what have you done in cars this week? Have you actually have you actually driven a car this week? Uh, no, I haven't. And I've, I've just had that bloody index finger over the buy button. I've shared the computer. Ah! <laughs> I've shared the configurator with you. And now I feel, especially since Chris sent me that photo of the convertible Mercedes. S560. S560 in black and black. And that's a thousand pounds less than a BMW Touring. Neil has spotted the issue with us, I think, really perfectly. If I buy another estate, no matter how funky it is to replace the estate that's sitting out there, that's actually just not going to change my life. A BMW 52i Touring is not going to make me want to Well, jump it will change on. your life because you'll be £56,000. Yes, 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 yes. £57,000. When you were... Con- For a 520 you- wagon. I, I just... I've, I've got to... I've, I've, I've got to get... I really want this... Bloody- That's about the same price as a 456 manual. Get, yes, yes. Yeah, there's a, there, there's a, there's a non-air manual. Um, that Radley have, which is um, 59,950. Yeah. And it's been absolutely looked at. No, it's the thing is, like, because bloody Paris now. Has, has I know, been, I know. He did the but, thing that Ra does, and those Disney, he's completely convinced and hypnotized me. Can we also acknowledge, now. though, that within this, this general sort of uh, astonishment at the cost of new cars, it does play massively into the hands of man mass? Because now you can say, if a new car, BMW is £56,000 for a normal yeah. estate car. That that opens up a whole world yeah, of cars. That's I what I did. Justify. Yeah. You think, Manage, you know, this, this is our, we, we use Slack um, with, and all our inquiries come through here. So at uh, 1.37 yesterday, 
Ferrari 456, 1996, manual, with luggage, just MOT'd. That was consigned yesterday. So yeah. get ready. Just start massaging. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not a drill. It's not a drill, Manish. Neil will teach you how to win an auction. Yeah. Just get that finger know, going. Get that it's finger going. It's what's unbelievable is how useless people are at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is the key? What is the key to winning? more than win. everyone else. <laughs> play to win. How do you do it? <laughs> it's very simple. Play to win. We can, we can teach you. Uh, Chris Cooper, what have you done in your cars this week? So I, I, so this weekend, I drove to Cornwall and back and via somewhere else. So I drove more miles this weekend, man, than I think you drove last year. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, about 700 and something miles. So yeah, I, looked, I, looked at a, I looked at another SL. Um, so I'm now being besieged by all the salesmen selling classic Range Rovers and SLs and M635s that I've seen in the last week since I last talked about what I've done at the weekend. So apart from putting my fingers in my eyes, I go, la, 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 thinking I've got to disappoint at least one of them. Um, <laughs> I, because it's now autumn and we live in a farm, so there's lots of trees. I spent most of the weekend on my beautiful, put a picture up on the screen in a moment, my beautiful 1962 Massey Ferguson 35 little red tractor and it's got amazing you can put new stuff on the back so we've got this incredible pto driven blower which is you know people see with these on parks with these little backpack blowers this blower if it was attached to a person elon musk would want to be in that business it is so powerful. Have you seen the guy on Instagram that goes up to bus stops and blows the wigs off women with one? No. <laughs> I have to do that. Him. that I is... have to do that. I have <laughs> to go down the local <laughs> high street. He speculatively walks up to women and he always not... gets it right. The one that's throwing the syrup and he just blows them into the road. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't need to be that discerning because it would blow the whole person off. So I spent the weekend. I spent the weekend finding new stacks of leaves to blow. And because I'm OCD, because I'm OCD, we have lots of lots of CCTV on the farm everywhere. So I get to the late afternoon, and I look on the cameras on OC on here, and I think oh, some leaves falling again. <laughs> so I say to Lynn, I say, I'm I'm just going to make make sure make sure that one of the garage doors is shut. <laughs> I'm too embarrassed to tell her what I'm doing. So I said, I'm going to go and check the garage doors are shut. And she can hear because it's quite no I wear earplugs in this thing because it's quite noisy. She can't call you back. <laughs> I actually did it last night when it was dark and I forgot to bring my earplugs. Bloody hell, it's noisy. But so I, it was just, it's just such fun. It's so OC. Seeing this leaf-free area and then knowing that, you know, I could get a little alert if there's little leaves falling on here. A little buzzer could say, Get your little red tractor out. So, no, so I spent a lot of time on the road and a lot of happy time blowing leaves. Blowing leaves. Dear, dear listeners, make sure Cooper takes his pill before the next podcast. Uh, Neil Clifford, what have you been doing in cars this week? <laughs> How long have we got? Oh, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you one little story. Go on. I bought something. Um, no. Manish, Manish needs to come to the course of buying cars by Neil Clifford. Um. At Cambridge, because I'm so good at it. It's actually a Cambridge course, three years. Um, I think, <laughs> what did I do? I landed from Mexico. I was incredibly badly jet lagged. I felt like shit. And then suddenly you're having a cup of tea at home with your wife and a digestive. And on Instagram, you see this car. And it's at KGF Cars in Cambridge. 
and it's a camper van. Yeah. And suddenly, a minute before, I had no requirement for a Volkswagen 1976 camper van. <laughs> a minute later, it's the only thing I could think about. My life, yeah. my, life, my life would not be fulfilled in any way unless I owned this Volkswagen camper van because it's got nine seats, it's green with tan, it's got a 110 horsepower tuned flat two litre engine. It's got fakey, probably little Porsche um, Fouche wheels, yep. completely restored, 16,995. And for the next three hours, I could not think about anything else. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. It's going to be the car yep. to take the family to the pub. I had so many reasons how this car is going to change my life. And there I am messaging on Instagram and 10 minutes, the guy hadn't responded. So then I have to go and find their website and send them an email. And then there's a there's a phone number on his website. You know, you get the home phone number and the mobile number. So I'm then texting the guy to his mobile number. On a Sunday, this guy must think I'm absolute fucking lunatic. <laughs> this guy's contacted me four different communication manners. You're a real oh, addict, Neil. You're, yeah. you're, you're the lead addict. You are. Anyway. I bought it for asking price. It's being delivered on Friday. And he's thinking, I didn't ask enough for it. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't. Probably. He didn't. Yeah, what, he would have been, what he would have been thinking is, I got a fish on. <laughs> I got a fish on. Fish on. I don't know. Know. I'm it's selling what, this car today. It's what is known as entrepreneurship because it's at least a thousand pounds cheaper than it should be. And we're gonna <laughs> and we're gonna do podcasts in it. Yeah. Oh, there we go. The We've got man. That's a that's a uh, a bay window, isn't it? Type yes. two. Yeah. yeah. We've got we've got Keith on the farm here. Has got a split screen. We could have we could park them <laughs> nose to nose like that. Not sure we're, Johnny's going to approve the acoustic, lads. We're going to do mobile podcasts from yeah. Dick Lovett Ferrari in the car yeah. park. Sell merch. <laughs> do, do you remember the um the British well, Matthew, bring us out our coffee. Courts did that. <laughs> Do you remember that? The British Airways and Air France Concords did that. They just yeah. touched noses of that first blind. One of those beautiful images ever. Nose off. We right. will reproduce that with two combi vans. Moving on. Uh, this is an observation that came because I was looking at some used cars last week, as you do most of the time. How cheap do electric cars have to get before even Luddites like us think, I might like to buy one of those because we're all looking for value. Let's face it, above all else, everyone wants to be nicking something for a song. And for me, there is no real value in the marketplace just yet. It's coming. The market is softening. But if you want if you want real value, the kind of value that you boast about to your mate down the pub, it's electric cars. They just they just seem so cheap. Like Taycans and, yeah. the, and the Taycan Sport Turismo thing, that the Audi the R8, sorry, not the R8, the R the e-tron gt thing they're, they're massive value yeah. i know that i know they don't necessarily complete journeys and they've got the range of a car with a 10 liter fuel tank but at what point do we all go up and have one of those they're so cheap neil clifford yes this is suddenly turning into the bmw fan club podcast isn't it <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm obsessed with buying the leggiest i3 bmw with the range extender and if I'm watching them, I'm watching them every night. And once they dip, they're sort of 10-ish. If you get to 70,000 miles, 
you go and search on the forum to see whether the batteries all go crap or whatever. I want the leggiest i3 in the United Kingdom for nine grand with the range extender. And I'm going to scoot around in it for about five minutes and then get bored. And then it will be my son's first car when he passes his test in March. Is that what is that what you want him to have as first car? Yeah, I think it's a cool yeah. first car. It's a with very clever electric car. Otherwise, he's going to bloody break down every five minutes, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a great yeah. first car. Yeah. It's a better first car than the Citroen Ami electric car. Yeah, that's not a good first car. That is. Um, I've is, got one is, of those i3s, Neil. So uh, it's not very leggy, but I might let you have it. Yeah. Nine 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 five. Uh, I, oh, mine's not. Mine's uh, one owner from new. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's car, actually not. It's car not. play. It's the S model. I can, it, I can totally <laughs> imagine what yours is like. But there's so much value out there. Really? You know, I've heard of someone trading. You know, not that old a Taycan, the estate one, the sexy one done a few miles, but not too bad. You know, this is a £130,000 car. It's trading at 55, 60. Yeah. I mean, the bottom, I, I was talking to somebody in the leasing trade about this yesterday. And when the UK government made the announcement to say it's not 2030, it's 2035, without anybody reading the small print, because there is sort of, there's a, there's a graph, one of our graphs, we'd be sort of averagely pleased with this, that shows the number of EVs that have to be sold each year. So it's not like you get to 2030 and there's none. There's, there's a, it's stage. So for 2035, in actual fact, it's not a big difference. But all everybody heard was, I've got five more years. Exactly. EVs, right. stuff that. Yeah. So lots of dealers <laughs> had lots of stock, Porsche, BMW in particular, so you can see it. But this incredible value in new EVs. Yeah. Um, has anybody seen this? BYD, this build late, your dream, build your dream. I saw them when we were in Holland, in Netherlands earlier on in the year. The Dolphin sounds like something Jacques Cousteau would have cooed over. Remember, Jacques Cousteau said, "Um, he is swimming in the ocean with my friends, the Dolphins." Oh, he was lovely, wasn't he? Yeah, I used to. I missed that. So the That's BYD Dolphin, the BYD Dolphin, it's Britain's cheapest electric car, twenty six thousand pounds. MG, Morris Garages, as we used to know it, Britain's fastest growing volume brand, an EV brand. Yeah. Um, the EV, the MG4 EV, 29 grand. So in yeah. new cars, there's a lot of value. But in the used one, I have to say, if I, like Neil, I had an i3 about five years ago, five, six years ago, uh, not the range extender and not the S. The S, the sporty one, doesn't work. It's just ridiculous. It just feels, it's not a great motorway car. I just feel if you did a big lane change, the top half of the car is going to carry on going one way while the bottom half of the car departs stage left. Uh, and the S is just even, so it's probably got a very, very intrusive stability control to stop sort of this topographic separation of the vehicle. Um, but I think the i3 is still a really, really, it oh. was just, because it wasn't like a BMW, it wasn't an any other BMW with an EV in it. It was a different car, the fabrics inside, the look, the feel. Oh, yeah. um, it was just literally 10, 12 years too early. Um, so I, I'm i going to use this call to arms, Mr. Harris, to look at i3s today, because I think they are very, very sensible. Really? Are you tempted? I mean, I, what I love about these challenges are it does get me reading. 
And, um, you know, I saw exactly that, a, a Taycan 4S with just 19,000 miles, 58,000 pounds. So less than the less than the 520i Touring new again. And the, I'll, t- I'll tell you the thing that caught my eye was um, actually the Volkswagen ID3. I don't know how you guys feel about them. I've seen a few of them. I know they're a bit boxy. Yeah, early ones are a bit weak. I think, Neil, did you not have one of those for about 30 it's, seconds? It's shit. Yeah. Oh, no, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, don't get an early <laughs> Yeah, auto auto cars lead journalist. It's shit. <laughs> it's shit. No, so, okay, then. So so underneath that, though, I thought the Kia e Nero three. Um, the Kia e Nero. If yes. you want, what, so what's uh, what would be a twenty twenty one Kia e Nero? That's. I, I've just got something here. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, with forty nine thousand miles. Yeah. Seventeen thousand pounds. That's a lot of that's if you if you wanted an EV, that's a lot of value in an EV. Hmm. Those Kia Neros are actually quite good. You miles better than the original ID three. Okay, I think what, what's what the, 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 this disparity between these cars that you guys are talking about, these new cheap sort of white good type cars, is what's making it so challenging for these luxury um cars yeah. to, to be doing how much does it does anyone know how much a kia nero um e i mean sorry the e nero three what does that cost new i'm guessing it's 40 grand or something like yeah. that but this thing is less than half the price yeah. just forty thousand yeah. miles on it it's three yeah. years old but they also, none, the of, none so of these manufacturers Sorry, none of these manufacturers want you to buy them for cash you know it's all about deposit and um and and a monthly payment. So you know when Porsche price to take at 150 grand, they're not thinking people are going to go and write a check for 150 grand. It's you know 20 grand down and 1500 quid a month. Yeah. So yeah. if you are the guy that goes in and writes a check for a Taycan for 150 grand, you you're going to take some pain, uh, especially if you don't like it after six months. Yeah, um, that's funny a- you say that, Edward, because again I looked at um, some dealers for this for, for this um, 520. And I couldn't believe it was cheaper to buy it on finance than it was to write them a check. Yeah. It's 3,000 pounds cheaper to take BMW finance. That's how they sell cars. I think 78 of the cars in the UK are bought on finance. They're banks now, aren't they? They're banks. Here's one for you, though. With my my full-on, ironically, petrol head hat on, if my my Audi e-tron GT, which I think is the best-looking EV, I just think they're great-looking cars on the road, that's the Tyc- the Audi Taycan. <laughs> if I failed to get to London and back to go and see Edward for an important meeting, I'd feel so much more relaxed about being on the hard shoulder stranded if I knew I'd nicked it for so little money. Value, perceived man mass value will offset any shittery in a, in a car. Yeah, yeah. Going, I've won. Yeah. doesn't matter. I've won. I can tell everyone. And if, if, if my family get angry with me, I'll say, well, I nicked it. It was cheap. Yeah. yeah, and bonus, I didn't have to see Edward. <laughs> no, 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 he's on his way home. He got to me. Oh, no, I've, oh, already, okay. I've already seen oh. Edward. Okay. Right. Oh, well, you know, when somebody... I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how these hyper, electric hypercars perform, um, like the Rimac and the, the Lotus Avija, and, and, and from a from a financial st- standpoint, because still, what one thing that holds... I think McLaren P1's back. You know, I think a LaFerrari today is best part of three million quid. Um, and so all of a sudden, the 150 grand to replace the battery 
feels somewhat palatable if you're in that margin. But but the P1 is sort of still lagging around 1.1 million pounds, something like that, because everyone's nervous of the costs of these these hybrid type batteries. Yep. And, and I, I can't imagine they these these first sort of electric hypercars are not going to have similar issues um, when it comes to it, especially if they're being used in extreme ways. Yeah. I, it, who's going to buy them? I just don't understand that that marketplace and who's, you know, anyway. Californian, Californ- Californian billionaires. Yeah. How many of I those are one. there? And the thing is, why will they ever sell them? They'll just leave them in their garages, won't they? Uh, no, they'll, 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 oh, well, I think that there's certainly some cities and countries, states that, you know, you're going to struggle to be, you know, it won't be politically correct to be driving a ICE supercar around um, when the I government... Want, I, I, want to see no, the I get that, but they're up. just going to leave them in their garages, aren't they? They're going to try to sell them. How's the revenue going to respond when someone says, right, I'm going to put a rim at Nevera and claim my 100% relief against corporation tax? And their company that year turned over 800 grand, and then they claim pretty much the same sum when they buy their Rimac Nevera. It's going to happen, isn't it? That's quite a good idea, Chris. Good it to, is, actually. <laughs> I, you go and look at your i3s. I'm off to look at Rimax and writing yeah. down off tax. <laughs> we just okay. set up a little off-the-shelf company, Rimax R Us. Yes. <laughs> See what happens, how far we get. Okay. Uh, moving on to the two-car garage. So... This ebbed and flowed. It wasn't even on from the comments. And then Edward proposed this. I'm going to read it out to you verbatim. Right. I'm going to make a call. That means Harris is unresponsive on the group. Ask your wife. No budget. It will be fun discussing. I think he might regret the word fun. Just say to them, what two cars would you like to own? No budget. And I need an answer in 60 seconds. Um, I know what mine my better halves would be. I don't even need to ask her because I know exactly what she likes. So, Edward, you go first. Well, I've opened up a can of worms here. <laughs> <laughs> this this wasn't a 60-second conversation. So, as I said, we're in New York last week and they've got the 250 GTO that's going to be sold at auction in the next couple of weeks in the um, in the front window of the Ferrari showroom on, uh, on, is it, on, Madison, on Park Avenue. Yeah. And um, so stupidly, I put my three children in front of the uh, the window and took a photo and said, "That's going to be sold for seventy five million dollars." Uh, and uh, so that she wanted the two fifty GTO, but she calmed down. She eventually calmed down and said, "What about that two seven five GTB you bought from uh, that guy called Nick?" So she's chosen an Azuro Metalizzato two seven five GTB four cam, the ugly one. Uh, no, 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 not the ugly one. Cross eyes. <laughs> and um, this, this is going to be very controversial now. The her, her other car is like, oh, that four by four Rolls Royce. Oh, that's what she went for. Mm. Well, anyway, then the conversation I'm went really, really downhill. And said, You're probably going to buy these cars for yourself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're never going to be mine. That's what she well, said. <laughs> we've just so we've just we've just used the Cullinan word in a context I didn't think we ever would. Chris Cooper, cleanse us. So uh, this was actually quite good fun. So um, the boys and I were at supper yesterday evening, and uh, we went because and they said, "Look, there's one here. Mum's got a, Lynn's got a 
answer. I said, what do you mean need her help with it? No, she's got to answer it. So we dragged her in and said, right, you have 60 seconds. Right. And I read out this thing. And she said, does it mean I can't have a Land Rover? I said, it's got to be a Land Rover. So it seems there's a Land Rover somewhere. So in Cooper style, there's a sort of it's somewhere, somewhere, somewhere else. But she really just straight out said, do you know what I'd really, really like? I don't care how much they cost. I'd really love a Jag XK150 OTS, not the Roadster, yeah. the open top Sportster. So it's got just the two seats, dark yeah. blue or grey. Nice. And that 911 that Saga used to drive in the bridge. Oh, yes. So Grey 911S. Yeah. How co- I was so proud. I was yeah. so proud. The boys and I just went, yes, there's a 911 in there that <laughs> your mother has said that would be a really lovely thing to have because you love that series. And um, when they did that tunnel version of it, they gave her a 944 automatic. Yeah, they did. It was a rather Euro tunnel disappointment. Yeah. Top of other Euro tunnel disappointments. So an XK150 OTS and Saga's 911S from the bridge. Nice. That's my girl. Um, yeah, we had the little chat last night. And... Uh... Emma, who's my wife, said, oh, I did really adore that Escalade thing we had in New York. That would be wonderful. I'd love one of those. It's so much better and bigger. You know, we've got three six-foot kids and a Ridgeback. So the space, the seven-seat thing with all the leg room, you've got all the gear, drives lovely. Cadillac Escalade. Actually, there is one coming soon on collecting cars. Have you looked at there? Yeah. Coming soon column. Yeah, I saw that last night um, when I got to sleep. I'm going to start making Brave boy on a British B-Road in one of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then she said, oh, I don't really know what else. Actually, I just love the car I've got. Can I just keep that? Which is a Mark 8 Golf R. Yeah. Yeah, with good it, choice. It's got every option. It's got the Akrapovic thing. It's got all the bloody special lights and all that shit. Leather, which I'd have preferred cloth, to be honest. But it's, um, yeah, it's really cool. And she's like, actually, this just the perfect car. I can't think of anything better than a Golf. Uh, a wee bit, actually, no, you, you've shit can the ID3. So actually, a bit of, bit of VW love were allowed because you, we've yeah. been linked to the Yang. Manish. What would what would Mrs. Manish like to have in her two car garage? Uh, Natasha Wharton, she keeps her surname. Yep. That at the sofa. I said, look, um, we've got this two car garage challenge tomorrow for your podcast. Yes. What time? Eight in the morning. Haven't you got to go to work? I will afterwards. So can you give me two cars that you'd like? No, I don't like cars. Oh. Just one car. That you like. Don't make it up. Make it clear. I don't do cars. So I said, what about that beautiful asset? There was a beautiful Volante at the top of Fitzjohn's Avenue, convertible, navy blue. I often saw you look at that and go, that's quite a nice car. No, I didn't. So you're saying I made up the fact that you used to see this car. We used to get to the top of Fitzjohn's Avenue and say you like it. I don't remember it. So I... Do you remember that R White's commercial, The Secret Lemonade Drinker? Yes. Cool. That's me. That's me, right? That's me in the middle of the night. You know, going to give it up one of those yeah. nights. Ferrari 456M, Ferrari 456M, darling. No. 
<laughs> I think I think we should come round to your house for tea one weekend yes. and just and show uh, Mrs. Manish how how lovely cars can be and how wondrous her life would be with people like us in it. Because if you I'm had, not sure, that... I'm not sure we're great ambassadors for making this any more. I think she'd love us. I think she'd Listen, love I us. I think she'd probably in her life. Just... She just, she just needs to accept that this is a part of my life, okay, that you guys are encouraging weekly. And I feel like a dam that's about to burst. I'm going to do a Neil. I'm going to basically sell everything we own just to have a few cars. And I'm going to live in a little wooden <laughs> shed next yeah. to them. You well, genuinely you what, need to. You've, not, you've got no better tutor than Neil Clifford because he, he, he can help you do ruinous things if he needs yeah. to. Yeah. And Neil, Neil, look at this headrest on the Escalade and coming soon. I've looked. Ooh. Oh, no, I saw it. Two, it's got two speakers in it. it. Yeah. I, Have you seen the I, one that's got a gun case in it in America? Oh, yeah. Gun rack. Got, 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 you you, you, you pull a flap life. down on the side, you put a code in and you can get your gun out. When we you do car configurators, when we are going to do car configurators, we should do the Ford, the US website for F-150. Yeah. And see how many gun racks you can tick the box for the the bird dog seat. You know what the bird dog seat is? Yes. The middle seat on the front row where the dog you use when you're going shooting birds. The bird dog seat. Gun racks. I had a Corvette press car in, in America about 10 years ago. And the bloke that showed me around it said, this is where you put your gun. And there was a, just in front of the gear lever, there was a, a cubby for your gun. And I said, I, didn't, I don't have a gun. And he said, well, you won't need the cubby then. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. So um, I've spoken to my better half actually very briefly about this uh, whilst I was whinging about my toothache about God knows what time this morning. And it's quite simple. It's not even a two-car garage. It's a one-car garage. She just loves our old Land Cruiser. It's all, it's all she ever wants to drive. It's a bit of a nightmare because <laughs> it's not you, Les, compatible in Bristol. So you end up having to drive... 14 miles to go around the ULEZ zone as you do in these mad places but it's done 150,000 miles just come back from refurb and we just love it it's just the best car do you want to drive anything else you say do you want to drive a fancy 911 no I'll just take the Land Cruiser thank you it's the best car ever I love it done yeah how much does ULEZ charge you in Bristol to go into the middle in something like that I think it's nine quid so we just avoid it we, go so we pay £12.50p at the moment. I start my car. And if you go into central London, you pay another 15 Jeez. So it's £27.50 to, to go you to... You need to make four. sure you drive where the cameras aren't, because I'm, I'm sure I, I, my 911's not you, Les, and I, I haven't paid a fine yet. Wow. Well, somebody might have done for on your behalf. Edward. OK, here's a ULEZ question. Anything. Those number plates with the raised letters, does that work? Yes. Are we sure about that? Well, my 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 um my lovely taxi driver man tells me they do work. Okay. I'm like, Mate, I don't mind getting in your black BMW. I wish it was navy blue, not black. But can you change those number plates? They're disgusting. It's like super chavy. And he's like, it saves me two hundred quid a week. Wow. So how many how many fines are they missing out on by people with these number plates? I don't. Mm. Know. We can't lot. clearly condone. Um, exactly. good listeners of our podcast, um, avoiding oh. the excise duties of local authorities, even whatever we're calling Sadiq Khan these days. Um, I, the Land Cruiser thing, I have to say, there's one of our listeners, Mr. H Grant, uh, you know who you are, Grant, 
who will be when he listens to this with his mates will be saying i told you so when you describe your love for the land cruiser those okay. that know no well, I, I love that thing right uh, i think that's just uh, nicely crawled to an end thank you very much for joining us lujon henry mancini lujon 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 henry mancini that's the Mancini like, that did the Pink Panther theme tune, is it? Exactly. It's a bit, it's, did he it's play basically for QPR? Peter Sellers in a velvet well, jacket. Terry Mancini. Oh, there we go. We only need one piece of music this week, and Manish has done it. We'll add it to the Spotify playlist. Thank you very much for joining us. Sorry some of us sound half dead. That's because we are. Chris Cooper, Manish Pandy, Neil Clifford, Edward Lovett, and myself. I'm going to go and take some more coding. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.